You might not think it, but it's pretty close to maple syrup time. If anybody has a sugar bush, you know you're out in the woods and you're tapping and getting ready to pull sap out of the trees. Today we're going to be talking with Nate Williams. Nate has a company called Dutch Hill Maple. Nate's going to tell us about his operation and how he gets ready to make maple syrup. A lot to learn here. Have a listen. Hey, Nate, how you doing today? Good. Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure having you. You've got an interesting business you're in. Uh, we're talking today with Nate. Like I said earlier, we're talking with Nate Williams, Nathan Williams, from Dutch Hill Maple. And Dutch Hill is a uh, sugar bush. Sugar bush? Is that what you call it? Sugar yeah, bush? Uh, or a maple farm or a sugar bush. Mm-hmm. Yep. Over in, it's in Tully, New York. And uh, so Nate's going to tell us a little bit about what Dutch Hill does and more about what maple syrup is all about. So now I originally met Nate back what, about two years ago, was it? Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe even a little before that. M- maybe before that. Yeah. Time flies. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, we <coughs> use uh, Nate's syrup in our blended balsamic vinegars, our maple balsamic vinegar, and that's how we met. We used to use another one from the Derider area, and then Nate and I met. And we switched over and mm. loving it. Uh, we like the nice bold flavor that it has. It uh, stands up to the balsamic really well. So, um, so Nate, let's go back and talk a little bit about the history of your company. You started when? When has the company started? Well, <coughs> the operation started in 1968. That's when my dad actually started tapping trees and making syrup you know, in his backyard, basically my grandma's backyard over on Dutch Hill Road. Uh, it wasn't a company by any means, I don't think. You know, I wasn't there, but um, it was more of a a hobby, you know, so, something to do. And then it sounded like fun, so hey, try it. That's yeah. Um, this is this is what I hear, but you know, he over the years kept adding on trees and getting more into it, and um, <clears throat> just like now, technology is always changing, so it made more opportunities for him to add on more taps and you know experiment with tubing when tubing came out and then you know build a sugar house and all this different stuff mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I guess it kind of turned into a, a business for my dad probably in the I'd say maybe the 2000s early 2000s when uh, he finally got big enough he was probably in the, the 2000 tap range 2400 tap range yep. and then <clears throat> vacuum systems came out and RO systems started to come out and bigger evaporators and you know different opportunities so so let's, let's back up just a minute here because yeah. he started in 68 yeah and he tapped 15 trees 15 trees in, yeah in the backyard on buckets there was yeah there was no tubing and he went to like the mid 2000s before he put like tubing and stuff in well I th- no I think he had tubing before that um, but just the tubing systems alone have changed so much over the years from what it was back then to what it is now is not even close to the wow. same. I mean, no Dad talks about when they used to just lay the tubing on the ground. They would connect each tree, they would lay the tubing on the ground, and then uh, every year they would have to roll it all back up and pick it up and wow. store it. And I even remember when we were kids um, <clears throat> helping Dad in he would roll up all the tubing but he built these um, plywood boxes and they were strategically placed throughout the woods so that he would take a section down and then put it in these boxes and they all had 
tags on them. Um, so we could kind of remember where they went back in the woods. Yep. Um, but this is all gravity. You know, there was no vacuum. It just, we put the tubing up and it ran down into a tank. The sugar house was mm -hmm. up on the hill behind Grandma's house. Yep. Um, so tubing has changed. So now what do you do? Explain a little bit how you tap a tree. So, <coughs> and just, just as an example here, <coughs> Nate just got out of the woods today, right? Yep. Well, today, today I was actually cleaning our evaporator. We take advantage of this kind of midwinter um, thaw to um, clean the evaporator and get it ready for the upcoming season. So yeah. we we fill it with water, um, heat it up, clean it. Uh, we have to use phosphoric acid to um, eat away the minerals and stuff, the deposits left from last year. Mm -hmm. it just we sterilize everything and then we have to neutralize it with uh, baking soda. Um, flush it. it. It takes a while. I actually started yesterday, then I let the acid soak, and then we rinse it. So, but that's what I had to do today is finish, finish that up, and make sure the evaporator works and everything like that. Yeah, in the past few days, though, you've been up in the woods tapping, right? Um, in line. <coughs> we haven't actually started tapping. We're installing spouts right now. Okay. Um, because so we have. Tell us a little bit about. The process, what you're going through, then. Okay, What's so the difference we'll, between a spout and a tap. So, I guess a, a spout and a tap is basically the same thing. Tap is kind of the, uh, I don't know the overall term. Well, tap is actually the action you do. You know, you're tapping it in. I think, okay. you know, you're tapping on with a hammer. That's that's the tapping. Um, so anyway, yeah, we're we're putting the spouts out now because. We have about 7,500 to put out this year, Holy so we need to get kind of a head start. We go through the whole woods and put every spout. Um, maybe we should back up a little bit. So, <clears throat> for sanitation reasons, every year we put a brand new spout on every tree. Okay, so you're finished with the season. You pull the spout. We pull the spout so Next the tree. Year you go back and put a new one in. Yep. Okay. So when we pull the spout, we'll cut the old one off and just throw it away. Okay. 50 cents, throw it right down the garbage. So um, the whole the tree has a whole year to heal, pull mm -hmm. the, and then... Nothing's left in the tree, though, right? Nope. Oh, okay. Nope. Um, tree heals back over. Mm -hmm. um, so then around this time, really, I started back in the woods in, like, early September. That's when I started installing our new tubing system and then working on... Um, repairing the old um, the old system um, we get a lot of you know limbs down and branches down and squirrels chew on mm -hmm. stuff and then other random stuff we don't even know what happened there's just tubing destroyed we have yeah. to repair so the process kind of starts with if we're doing a, a new install that's priority we we start that as soon as possible um, if a woods needs to be thin we'll thin the trees out um, you know, it's kind of like carrots. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you can plant a bunch of carrots, but they don't get very big until yeah. you thin them out. You know, you got to thin thin them out. The okay. sugar bush is kind of the same way. You, yeah. you get a ton of little trees, you, you thin them out, you let the, the, the bigger trees grow and get more leaves and limbs on them. Mm -hmm. So that's the process we do is we thin, put, put the new tubing up, um, and then... So you, do, you have spouts in now? We have... Tubing, I'm sorry, tubing up now. Yeah, tubing's up all the time um, once we install. So that's one thing that's different from 
back when two and first come out is mm-hmm. we don't have to roll it up every year just it's just it there we just leave it um part of that is because the technology has changed to where the plastic can actually withstand being out in the sun all year mm-hmm. or else you know the old tube and it would get so brittle you could just snap it yeah you know so you had to pick it up and protect it somehow yeah. um but anyway so back to the the process we'll put the new install and then we'll go through do kind of a sweep through our existing um our tubing system getting all the limbs and stuff off and getting it back up to where it should be and repairs and then after that we'll go through and put the spouts on everything mm-hmm. um that's also another like fine tooth comb we'll find even more smaller damage uh, like on each drop line and we'll replace those as we go put the spouts on and then once we get all the spouts on which should be we should be pretty close in the next few days all the spouts will be on then uh, depending on the weather we may just start right uh, tapping so we'll go back through all the trees Mm -hmm. and we'll drill every tap hole and then tap in the spout so you haven't even you haven't even drilled yet no Oh, no. boy. And you got 7,500 trees? Yeah, there'll be, yeah, 7,500 this year. How many taps per tree? Um, mostly one. Uh, occasionally we have um, some trees that have two taps, and these are, you know, really, really big trees um, that are healthy, and uh, they can sustain two, two taps. And part of that is um, because of our, you know, we use vacuum. There's no reason to tap a tree more than once. Mm-hmm. The vacuum pulls the sap from all around the tree, above it, below it. If you're not using vacuum and you tap a tree, you're only getting the sap that's from that hole up, nothing below it. Okay. Because the sap flows down, you know, out of the hole. Okay. But if you're using vacuum, you're actually pulling some of it right from the roots up. Okay. And then the, I've always under the impression that th- when the sap flowed up, it hit the tap and came out. It's not it's when it comes back down. That's what I'm being told, yes. Oh. Yeah, you, you'll only get the sap that's above the tap hole. With, okay. Like if you put a bucket on it or something. So does your volume go up as you're pulling it out? With the vacuum? With the vacuum? Yeah, it's it's probably a 50 to 75% increase in yield and sap yield using a vacuum system mm-hmm. for sure. And it obviously it doesn't hurt the trees at all. No. Vacuum has been used um, for actually a long, a long time. And there is vacuum now. Yeah, it's it's common practice now. Mm-hmm. Same with RO. Um, there's still like your backyard sugar maker that just he has buckets or maybe yep. some tubing and mm-hmm. without vacuum. But actually, the more and more people use vacuum, the more studies are out. You know, Vermont Proctor does research and stuff, and they're finding that it's actually better for the tree to use vacuum because you're keeping the bacteria out of your, out of the tap hole. Oh. Okay. Um, and I've had I've heard some suggest that there's actually less staining in the wood mm-hmm. using the vacuum. Yep. Smaller, smaller stains. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good. Yeah. So now you've got your lines run. You're gonna have to go back and tap at some point. Yep. And then you're gonna start pulling the sap out. What happens once the sap hits? Yep. So the, once the, um, what do you call it? Sugar house? The how, vacuum? The, the sap, it'll come down to the, the tank house. Okay. Um, so, we'll, yeah, we'll get all the, the spouts in, and then uh, when the weather is right and you get your above <coughs> freezing during the day, you know, you're 40, 45, and sunny, then freezing at night, 
that's when the sap will start running. Uh, mm -hmm. Usually, for us, end of February and March is kind of when that starts happening. But it's always different. Last year, we didn't make any syrup to the middle of March. It was so cold. Yeah. So that sap flow didn't happen. But That uh, could happen this year, too, because this is a weird year. It is really weird, yeah. Um, I mean, here it is December or January, what, 16th? Yeah, and it was 60 the other day. And 60 the other day. It was 45 today. And then tomorrow's going to be 10. Yeah. Um, we haven't had snow. Well, we had a little bit of snow, but <laughs> a we little in the snow. A little in the beginning, and then, yeah, it's it's weird. And then um, some sugar makers are taking advantage of this warm weather, actually making syrup now. Um, I think it's considered fall tapping, because you'd have to tap in December to get ready for this. Um, but we're not... Probably uh, just pushing the limit a little bit. There. Yeah, we're not on that bandwagon yet. We'd rather mm -hmm. stay traditional and do it. Mm -hmm. You know, make we like to make syrup in March when you're yep. supposed to, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, so I interrupt. So we got the sap is coming in, it yep. goes into the, <clears throat> the tap of the yep. So the sap uh comes out of the out of the tree when the weather's right and it follows the the tubing system down the drop line, uh, down the lateral 516 lines. All the 516 lines are uh connected to one inch main lines. The main lines connect to what's called a conductor line or a wet dry system. This is uh, all set up to make the vacuum system work properly. It's mm -hmm. all sized uh, a certain way and broken down into grids a certain way. So then it follows that conductor line all the way down into the vacuum releaser, um, which is a device which separates the vacuum um, pump from the liquid sap, or else the sap would just end up in the pump. Right. So. Uh, we have a couple different kinds of releasers. Most of them are me mechanical that work on floats and they uh, evacuate the sap into the tank uh, when at you know the, the right time. Um, so then from there we, we collect the sap in the tanks. We've got several thousand gallons of, of storage you know, at the sugar house. There's yeah, those are the big stainless tanks that I've seen. Yep, big you know everything. That flapper thing. I think I've seen that working last year, where it's just like that's the ex nothing happens. All of a sudden, it goes boop. Yep, that's and then the sap flows out. That's the releaser. Yep, okay. that's the extractor. Um, a little flapper valve thing. Yeah, yeah. flapper valve. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> um, so yeah, once once we get enough sap in that tank, we'll start um, transporting it over to the sugar house. We get sap coming in at our Woodmancy Woods, which needs to be gathered and trucked over to the sugar house, and then we also you know, have taps over at the sugar house to just come right in and get processed mm -hmm. uh, right there at the sugar house. How many gallons are those tanks? Um, well, uh, the two tanks that we have at Woodmancy are 1,550 gallons each, so a little over 3,000 gallons of storage at Woodmancy. At the sugar house, we have a 4,000 gallon tank and a 1,200 and a 900. So there's a bunch there. Then yeah. there's there's also 3,000 gallons of, of water storage outside in plastic tanks. Um, we, have, we have a lot so of sap on, storage. Like, how many gallons of syrup do you pull out? Sap do you pull out? Um, <coughs> last year we processed... And I should let you go because I'm, I'm interrupting here <laughs> because there's a process in between here that we haven't spoken about yet. You continue. I'll show yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So last year we processed around 200,000 gallons of sap. Okay. Um, and that, that process that is, comes next after collecting the sap is uh, reverse osmosis. Okay. So we've got uh, two 
actually this year we have three reverse osmosis we added one we put an expansion on over at Woodmancy added a little over 1700 taps there so um, we decided to put an RO over there to cut down on how much uh, <clears throat> hauling we had to do last year we hauled like 90,000 gallons of sap out of Woodmancy and wow. our trucks only moving a thousand gallons at a time so that's a lot of a lot of trips and oh it's God, some sometimes it's <clears throat> all night you know sometimes you've got to well yeah you got to keep up with you can't yeah there's no you can't like just shut it no <laughs> there's no turning it off and taking a break if the sap's running at <clears throat> two in the morning and you're trucking at two in the morning wow and running ro or whatever it takes so so this year we we um put an expansion on our building and um ro's have to be they can never freeze, so you have to have a heated uh, building yep. uh, insulated and every all year. So uh, we mm -hmm. put put that in and installed a new RO. So we're hoping that that'll help us cut down on our uh, transport. We'll be able to, you know, remove, you know, say 50% of the water. How many? So you got sap coming into two different places? Technically, three different places. We have Woodmancy, which is mm -hmm. our biggest now, almost 5,000 taps there. And then we have the Sugar House, yep. which there's a couple thousand over there. Then we have another um, woods um, just around the corner on Bailey Road from the Sugar House. We call it the Billingsons Woods, and it's just a gravity system. Mm -hmm. Kind of, it's kind of old school. There's no vacuum; it's just um, all gravity, mm -hmm. and we collect that. But uh, Dad added some taps over over there this year, and um, so your dad is still involved in the business. Oh yeah. Yep, he uh, manages all his his taps and uh, his tubing, and um, we help each other. And yep. you know, we tap together and put up tubing together, and mm -hmm. we make the syrup, and you know, every you know, pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, so, back to RO. Yep. <laughs> I distracted. <laughs> we're RO and sap. Um, the RO is a pretty crucial piece of the pretty crucial piece of the uh, operation because uh cuts down on a lot of energy and a lot of time uh, boiling sap and burning fuel to, to make heat. You can uh, remove 80% of the water just passing it through a, mm -hmm. an RO. And um should talk a little bit about RO because there are some people that, you know, want to maybe put a negative spin on ROs because I don't think they understand what they are and what they do. But a lot of, Go for it. you know, um, s smaller sugar makers that are trying to differentiate themselves from a bigger one, they'll uh, use marketing tactics that, you know, say they have like a slow cooked or a traditional cooked or whatever type of syrup, not use RO. Um, but the RO is nothing but a, a, a filter that only removes pure water. It's just taking water out. Yeah, so... There's basically two things. You have sap that goes in and then goes through a semi-permeable membrane under pressure. It's just it's literally just a very tight filter. The only thing that can pass through that filter is pure water. So the, the minerals can't fit, the sugar can't fit, biofilms, any of that stuff. It can't fit through the filter. So we just take the pure, tasteless water out, which would have been boiled away anyway. Mm -hmm. And then we take what's called concentrate, which is all the sugars that we saved, all the minerals from the earth, everything and then we put that into the evaporator and then we boil and we cook that 
And that's where you get your flavors is in your evaporator. That's where you get your caramelization mm -hmm. and the uh, flavors of all. Um, but our oil is, is not bad. And actually, <coughs> uh, Christy and I went to Minnesota for a, the um, International Maple Syrup Conference. And then just recently, we had our um, midwinter uh, New York State conference. Mm -hmm. And in, at both of those conferences, um, Vermont Proctor Research talked about the impacts of using RO on your sap to make syrup at different levels because there's people that use it to go up to 8%, then 10%, and then there's even people that are they're taking their sap to 40%. Before they boil it, so they're taking out. They're taking a lot out. They're there. taking, yeah. There's like nothing. They're just like heating it for a second, and then you got maple syrup. Wow. Well, you know, there's a big spectrum there, and there's people that, on both sides of the argument, saying that that's really bad. Shouldn't do that. Well, anyway, Proctor um, did the the actual research on this, and uh, you know they they <clears throat> basically blind taste taste tests all different types of syrup traditionally made RO from. 8% to 40% and everywhere in between and they've concluded without a doubt that RO has no effect good or bad on the flavor of maple syrup. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a cool thing that um, has come out recently that you know they're they're confident that there, there's there's no effect yeah. on RO. So I was kind of surprised because the first time I visited your shack I was surprised you used oil. Just a little reminder that you can catch us on Instagram, Facebook, and our YouTube channel at Clean Slate Farm. Also, if you go to our website, you can purchase our vinegars and some other stuff there. Uh, we also have an Amazon link. It's an affiliate page where you can purchase things. Anything you purchase through that link, we get a small commission. Helps support us for buying equipment and chicken feed, stuff like that. Back to the show. Yeah. And I thought, that whether it was perceived in my mind or not, okay, I thought, well, geez, I don't... I've tasted some. I, we had some syrup from Canada one time. Yep. That was really good, and it had a smoky flavor to it. Uh -huh. And I thought, well, maybe it's oil. Maybe you're not picking up them that smoky flavor. But then you and I talked about it. I was like, that's not the case. It's because caramelization is what's where the flavors. Yeah. Come from. And there's a lot of different. You know, maple is kind of like wine in ways where each sugar bush has its own, you know, unique flavors. Mm -hmm. So what you tasted from Canada or wherever could have been a different flavor just simply because of their soil composition. I think that's what it was, because they had a real stony taste to it. Yeah, yep. Which and makes sense, because where that sap came, was up in Kingston, uh, Ontario, yep. a lot of stone up there. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's regional, you know, the taste is regional. And there is, you know, different things that can affect flavor. If, um, you know, someone is using a, a wood fire and the smoke, we used to use wood. So we've only done oil for two years, and this will be our third year with oil. And we had an old um, wood-fired arch, and it wasn't airtight. And every time you open the door, you get a big puff of smoke would come out, and the ashes would go up, and they'd fall, and they'd go right <laughs> into the front of the evaporator. You know, so yep. you can get a smoky flavor that way. It's not <laughs> by a it's by accident, yeah. but um, but there's a lot of different things that affect flavor. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, we... Well, uh, since then, I've tried syrup that I know was done on a fire. Yeah. And I don't taste any difference. Yeah. Perception is a huge thing. So, yeah. like, those... It's all in your head. Yeah, those those tests that I was telling you that Proctor did, they, they, they gave the, the the tasters, you know, no no information on what they were even doing. Like, mm. 
you know, they didn't say, hey, tasty. is this better than this one because it has an RL? No. They just taste this. Blind. That, exactly. Yep. Um, so, uh, so now traditionally, I've heard that it's like a 40 to 1, 40 gallons, 45 gallons to 1. So, so you take that down from from 45 to what? So um, the, the, the 40 to 1 that most people are familiar with is based on a 2% um, sap. So um, if your sap is 2%, it's 98% water, it takes about 43 gallons of sap boiled down to make one gallon of syrup. Um, typically, um, in you know, the last probably 10 years, 2% sap is few and far between. It's typically, you know, 1.7 to 1.5, so you're closer to 55 to 65 gallons of sap to get one gallon of syrup. Mm -hmm. Takes a little, a little bit more than, than people realize. Um, but uh, running it through the RO, we remove 80% of the water, so um, we bring it up to a 10% concentrate instead of a 2% concentrate. Mm -hmm. And that would take, I'd have to get out yeah, my calculator, but... My, my head doesn't work that fast. <laughs> <laughs> a lot less yeah. to make a gallon of syrup. Mm -hmm. So in a way, then, it could be said that by using oil, you might be more sustainable. You're not pumping all that smoke and carbon into the air. Well, yeah. You still got the carbon, but... but you're not running as long, so you're using less fuel. Yeah, and actually, um, we had an energy audit <clears throat> done a couple years ago, and the reason we switched to oil was because we were uh, ranked second in the state for a, uh, a project that we wanted to do that included upgrading from our old wood evaporator to our new oil evaporator and a bigger RO. Um, so we were awarded a $35,000 grant um, to get this new equipment and uh, the energy audit determined that by using the oil we were going to admit 75% uh, less CO2 in the air than we did with our wood oh, fire. That's cool. uh, we used to burn like 26 full cord I mean like a whole <laughs> building's course, worth yeah. of wood yeah. just you know and that was before we were making as much syrup as we do now Yeah. you know we were because you've added how many taps this year, you said? 2,500? We added uh, this year about 1,700. 1,700? Yeah. But every year that's going up. Yeah. Yeah, we're taking every opportunity we can yeah. <laughs> to grow. So I I have to, we got through, you're, let's keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jumping in again. Uh, so now you've got the sap, you're, you're evaporating it down. Yep. What's it, that process like? Yep. So after our RO and we have our concentrated sap, we're going to run it through the, the evaporator. And um, that's still pretty traditional. It's We have a hot fire mm -hmm. underneath the pans. Uh, we have a flue pan, which is just a really efficient pan that heats from multiple surfaces rather than the flat pan that's just mm -hmm. on the bottom. So that's uh, just a really efficient way to boil water out of the sap. And... Uh, yeah, just heat boiling. Um, we finish it right on the evaporator. When you get to the proper density, uh, we use uh, hydrometers to make sure mm -hmm. the density is yep. right, and uh, it comes out. And What's we that filter. Window, like between done and not done. It's uh, like once it's done, is you gotta like quick get that stuff out of there. <laughs> yeah. So our our evaporator is a continuous flow. So it's continuously feeding in raw sap and going through all the pipes and all the flues and coming out. 
about 60 gallons of thinnest syrup per hour. So, yeah, That's it's a lot. It's like a 55 gallon drum every hour. Every hour, yeah. So, yeah, there is a fine line. If you're not getting it out of there fast enough, it will get too heavy. It'll get too thick. Um, so we monitor that. We have um, um, modulating draw-off valves, which have temperature probes that are set. So it's always monitoring the temperature. Um, that temperature is like boiling points 212. You got to get it off what 216? Yeah, it's about um, seven degrees above the boiling point mm -hmm. is syrup typically. Well, 219 then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it'll it'll come off. And that draw off will make sure that that stuff comes off. Yep. We're still there watching it and making sure it's doing what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. We have to tweak it a little here and there to make sure it's where it needs to be. Yeah. So someday in March, I'm going to go up there about 2 o'clock in the morning yeah. and <laughs> bring you a beer. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about um, the grades of maple syrup. Because the stuff that we use for the vinegar is uh, it's grade A robust, I think, right? Yeah, dark. Yep, with robust flavor mm -hmm. so yeah there's there's technically four different grades and they're all grade A a lot of people talk about grade B um, for a while there there was some people talking about grade B and you know the health benefits of grade B and all that and that's that's all fake there's no health different health <laughs> benefits for <laughs> B grade it's all done the same um, but now it's all considered grade A so you have grade A golden uh, grade A Amber, grade A dark, and grade A very dark. And what determines what makes those four different levels? Um, a lot of it's out of our hands. So it, it's it kind of comes down to bacteria is where you get the different grades, and that's also the like the time of year. So in the beginning of the season, when you have a lot more cold temperatures mm -hmm. and the season's just getting going, you typically make light syrup or golden mm -hmm. um, there's less bacteria in your lines and the trees you know you're not uh, getting up to 50 degrees and the saps getting more bacteria and all that so you make lighter syrup as the season progresses it gradually gets darker it goes from golden to amber to dark mm -hmm. and then even very dark so the darker the syrup the later in the season it's made typically, typically. not always sometimes Sometimes you start out making dark and then it'll go light and then back to dark. Mm -hmm. it, it all depends on the weather and, you know, what, what's happening mm -hmm. that day, really. And sometimes it can change. You can start out making light. By the end of the day, it's dark um, or vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, but typically you get a stronger, more robust flavor with your darker syrups, mm -hmm. um, which is good for uh, guys like you that want to use it as an ingredient you know in your vinegar or whatever it may be because uh, you can get that flavor doesn't get masked by the right. other ingredients uh, but we also have um, some people that use it as an ingredient that don't want a maple flavor but they want sweetness. that good uh, clean uh, natural sweetener mm -hmm. um, so they'll use a golden syrup and get get a good flavor but it doesn't make their you know their product a maple product now mm -hmm. Yeah, we took honey one year. <coughs> Our honey typically has a citru light citrus taste to it, mm. and we don't. We get maybe 150 pounds of honey a year, yeah, if we're lucky, because we're not selling it commercially. Yeah, and I figured I thought, well, let's try a honey balsamic. All I did was sweeten it. I couldn't taste the honey; it just it just sweet. Just it sweet. Obviously. Yeah. 
And I thought, why well, don't want to waste the honey on that? <laughs> <laughs> I did honey one year. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? One yeah. year. <laughs> That's okay. Every year you buy new hives. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think yeah. you should get into maple syrup. It'd be a lot cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got, you're all evaporated down now. You've got all your syrup. Um, I'm going to let you toot your horn here because for the past three years, you have done what at the New York State Fair? Uh, three years running, right? Yeah. So every year we do enter the New York State um, competitions for our maple syrup. And we have won grand champion in the last three years. Um, that's neat. Well, yeah, it's, that's pretty cool. Uh, and every every year after we've won the first one, we're like, that'll never happen again. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we, we want. That's judged by your peers, right? Um, yeah, I mean, basically, they're experts in the maple industry. Um, I don't know exactly who they are, and I don't know if I know there's a there's a panel. It's not one person. There's mm -hmm. several people that that grade it, and it's people always ask us, well, you know, how how can they grade it? You know, it all tastes the same. Well, no, there's well exactly. It doesn't all taste the same, and there's a lot more that goes into it other than they're not just sitting around tasting maple syrup. So they're they're checking every aspect of this product that we make, making sure that we're hitting every point that we're supposed to. So, um, so bricks, you know, your sugar content mm -hmm. has to be 66. Bricks, B-R-I-X. Yes. Yep. That's the sugar. Like wine making. Yep. Um, so you're scored on that and it's a lot harder than it sounds to be um their perfect score is a 66.5 that's where you'd get the highest points so if you're if you're below 66 you're out you, you you lose so and if you're too high if you're over like 69 now you're really thick so you're not gonna you might get 10 points so, so 20 for viscosity for viscosity so they check the viscosity they also check the clarity if it's not perfectly crystal clear you're gonna lose points mm -hmm. Um, they check the attractiveness of your bottle. Um, they grade you on that. And a big, a really big thing is labeling. And you, you know as well. Yeah, you've got nice labeling. <clears throat> but you know how hard it is to, you know, hit all the points that the FDA wants you to hit. Oh yeah. So <clears throat> a lot of people get disqualified just because they don't, they don't have fluid ounces in front of grams, or mm -hmm. you know, there's a certain way that your label has to be. Yep. Um, so. That's another thing, having all your la properly labeled and graded properly. So if you enter golden syrup in the competition and it's um, amber, you're, you're out. It's on the left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the way out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and they, they check that with a, a digital tool as well. So use a digital refractometer to check your sugar content. And then they use another digital tool that checks the light transparency. So there's a number. If you if it's golden, it needs to be um, 75 or greater light transparency. Mm -hmm. So if you're 73, you're pretty close, but you're not in that category anymore. You 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 know you're disqualified, or you're gonna lose a lot of points. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a lot that goes into winning the competition. It's so do you when you're making your syrup, do you you're testing this all the way yeah. around? Yeah. Yep. Because I've noticed little bottles on your shelf, and it goes from very light all the way up through the spectrum yep. to very dark. Yeah, is that all, how you? Yeah, all all those little sample cups are basically a representation of each barrel. So every barrel we make, we make sure we have a sample. So okay. before we open that barrel, we know that um, when you order dark syrup for your vinegar, that 
I open a barrel of dark syrup and I don't just open one and oh crap that was golden <laughs> now what do I do with it? Um, so we that's that's if why it wasn't we seal it seal yeah until oh you, yeah until you start the bottle yeah exactly yeah. so as we're making syrup and it's coming off the evaporator like I said before we're making sixty to sixty five gallons per hour bottling it is not an option it's it it has to come right out it has to be filtered and goes right into a barrel mm -hmm. and it takes all that we can just to keep up with bar keeping barrels ahead so that there's somewhere for the syrup to go that's coming off the evaporator. Right. So we fill them, a couple hundred degrees it goes in and then it cools and it just like a canned good, it yep. sucks the top right down and mm -hmm. it's, it's Once sealed. Once it cools, the vacuum seals it. Mm -hmm. So until we need it, we, we, we just pop open one or two at a time and then we'll, we'll bottle bottle that up when it's gone. We'll open another one or two and work mm -hmm. off of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot that goes into you know making sure you have a, a good uh, entry at the fair for yeah. sure so but yeah we're we're, we're proud proud to, to win those awards and you know we like to do that too because we have a lot of customers like you that um picky yeah <laughs> <laughs> they want the best you know why why wouldn't you want the best yeah. in, in in your your product you know yeah. it's a it's good for you guys too as it mm -hmm. is for us to win those awards yeah no, we love your soap. It's great. And matter of fact, you you also have, uh, you, you did it again last year, the, the bourbon barrel aged. Yeah. Which, uh, I'm not even going to let you talk about that. That <laughs> stuff, if you can find it, just buy it. <laughs> just do it. Because it is so good. Yeah, we get a lot of people rave about that. Um, it's we pretty, bought, it's a I think we bought three or four bottles of that. Yeah. And we were going to give them away as gifts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah fucked away. Yeah. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> they're ours. Yeah, that's a specialty thing, and it's a pretty cool thing. We... We age, age the syrup for six months in the the bourbon barrels. Uh, this year we, we got a hold of Jim Beam barrels, so we actually use Jim Beam. Save me one. Yeah, that's my, that's my bourbon of choice. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but they're all oak, oak wood charred charred barrels, and, and it's interesting the flavor. It doesn't. It's not like an alcohol flavor. No, it's it, it's it's subtle, and I think it's because yeah. we use the 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 true fifty five gallon barrels mm -hmm. where. Some producers use a smaller, like a five-gallon barrel. Yep. And I think it's something to do with the surface area. Yep. Per volume of syrup, mm -hmm. you some of them have a very, very strong, overpowering alcohol flavor, mm -hmm. and we didn't really want that when we when we made our bourbon. So it, it is more subtle, and you get more of those other flavors like the wood, the oak, and yep. that that smoky that's like charred. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's what we like yeah. about it too. So. Uh, there's another person involved in in Dutch Hill Maple, and that is your wife Christy. Yeah. And is she the brains, and you're the brawn, or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, she she, she she's um, she does a lot. Uh, she, she's the one that does all the behind the scenes stuff, all of the uh, communications with the email. She's the one that runs our social media mm -hmm. things. Uh, she's doing our deliveries now mostly. Yep. Um, she she sets up because you do the maple weekend is that what it's called maple yeah weekend? yeah that's kind of her baby too she's she kind of took that and ran with it and made it made it a, a very successful event she's good at planning events and creating events and kind of knows what goes with what and mm -hmm. makes them really successful but uh, yeah the maple weekends are usually the last two weekends in March um, and yeah, it's it's a fun time for the whole family to come out to the Sugar House yeah. and see see how it, it's done and 
if the weather's right we're actually making syrup you can see all this stuff working and mm -hmm. in real life and uh, we're try samples I, i've always worked weird hours so i've never had a chance to get out there and do that but this year knock on wood yeah i'm gonna get out and see that yeah it's fun like there, there was a couple days where it was really busy last year and uh we had our news cameras out there and yeah. we uh usually have our neighbors uh come with their draft horses and they do uh yeah. Because you've got the Wagon. maple syrup, the maple candy. Yep. You're doing maple. What's the what's the spinner we have, thing? We have the cotton candy. Cotton candy, yeah. We have maple cream. Mm -hmm. um, we have the bourbon barrel syrup. Yeah. We'll have, uh, usually we have like maple donuts and maple sausage and uh, little maple pancakes and um, everything. Um, now we're doing infused maple syrup, so we'll have that. Mm -hmm. uh, cinnamon infused, vanilla and coffee infused syrups. Did you get the thing I sent you the other day? I can't remember what it was. What was cinnamon, wasn't it? Oh no, uh, yeah, I think it was a um, ginger root or something. Ginger root, yeah. Yeah, I've heard one other people, one other person talk about that ginger. That interesting. Yeah. Coffee? Coffee, it yeah, really comes out. It, it tastes I'll really good. I'll one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then of course our seasoning, uh, which was like one of the most popular things that you developed for us. The, that's right, yeah. The, the maple seasoning. Um, that's like the, one of the greatest things mm -hmm. we have. We, we use it all the time. Um, it goes with everything. You, you could put it on all, you know, all the different meats. and. Yeah, that was a great seasoning. Yeah. yeah it's different from our, our Matson blend. Yep. Because I don't think I put any cayenne or paprika in that. And uh, ours? And yours? We have paprika, no cayenne. Okay, that's the difference in it. And obviously there's a lot of maple sugar in it. Yeah. That's the Yeah, main. I switched out the cayenne for this. I went from from the spicy to the sweet. Sweet, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a huge hit. We love that. Mm -hmm. um, and then our barbecue sauce, too. We're uh, making maple, right. maple barbecue sauce. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, we make a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. We can't, I can't even keep track of all the different things that we're making and selling, but... Uh, and you can be found retailers around Central New York. Yep, um, that's another thing I don't. I can't even tell you all the different yeah, places no. we're at. But <laughs> I, I know the I, easy, I, I usually tell people just to go on our website, and then there's a there's a spot on there where where you, you have our our retail partners, and then you can find find the nearest one yep. to you. But um, yeah, mm, that's the same with us. We're in so many stores now. I can't. Yeah, you, and then people will call and say, "Oh, I'm from." you know wherever in Syracuse and then I'm trying to think what's the closest one to you and it's better just go, look, go to the list and yeah. you go to the one that yeah. works for I you. I had uh, just the other day somebody ordered online from us uh, it was like three different vinegars and a couple of the oils uh, from Wisconsin. Oh. How on earth did she find us in Wisconsin? I just random idea. people. So yeah it's, it's weird but yeah, just go online and look. Yeah, exactly. You, you can buy, you set, you ship mail order as well? Yep. Um, you can buy anything you want, and we'll, we've shipped all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, and then local people will direct to the to the local stores if they can. And But some people, you know, will ship to Syracuse. You know, <laughs> some people <laughs> just ship it. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, but we have been known, you know, we usually it's like Thursday. Uh, we have like a delivery route, and then if you know somebody wants something, we could squeeze them in the route. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll deliver it to them. Yep. Um, yeah, that's cool. Uh, that's neat. Anything we missed? 
Probably. Probably, yeah, I know. Probably. We could do this again some other time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, this is fun. Yeah, it was great. Maple syrups. Yeah, cool. it was great having you on. I appreciate that. It's uh, I th- I think a lot of people eat, you know use maple syrup and just have like this old world view of what happens. In the yeah. I don't think beyond boiling it down, what's got to go into it. Yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into it. That's why we encourage people to come out to the Maple Weekend because we we do yeah. like to educate the mm-hmm. the public and show them. Yeah. And and a lot of people are really blown away. Yeah, just I was when I went out. Seeing the equipment and just yep. learning about what it takes, it's it's a lot more than, than yeah, well, what you well, think. When you walk in, I think I was there one time, you were just, you were, last year when you were cleaning the thing, you had that evaporator going. It, it's, it's, <laughs> I can't even describe it. You have to go out the Maple Weekend. Yeah. Because it's amazing when yeah. that thing's going. Yeah, it's, so I can imagine something you're, to see. You're doing SERP and got to get pretty interesting, so. Yep. Cool. Well, Nate, thanks for joining us on the show today. Appreciate it. Yep, thanks well, for having me. I said hi. I will. And uh, you, I got one question. You got all, I just, just just hit me. You got all those lines running through the woods. Yeah. You have like deer or hunters or anything like messing up your lines? Um, not. I mean, squirrels are the worst. Squirrels. <laughs> yeah, the, the squirrels chew it. Um, deer occasionally. I mean, very very occasionally they'll chew on it, but it's minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see deer in the woods quite often, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't believe they'll they'll run right through the woods like it's not even there, wow. just as fast as they 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 can, and over it, under it, whatever, and and they won't even touch it. None of it moves wow. at all. I would think that they'd make a mess, but it's the squirrels. This the squirrels, yeah, that's what chew chews it. Uh, occasionally, a coyote will chew it, but typically, if it's off the ground, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's any time a limb comes down and then it's touching the ground. Mm-hmm. Then some critter will go over there and chew it all to pieces. But it ain't deer. <laughs> but it's not deer, no. Not, no, that's not, funny. Not normally. It's deer. And we try to try to keep the hunters to <laughs> not to make yeah, a, keep them away. Yeah. yeah. But no, not not too bad. Mm-hmm. Cool. We, we did have some turkey load end up in our tank one time. Cause, in uh, the tank? Yeah, because a, a hunter shot a turkey over there and it went through um, a, a main line, but. There were a few um, other BBs that didn't actually make it through both sides of the main line, mm-hmm. so it got caught inside the pipe and basically got washed down, followed the tubing system all the way down into the tank, it threw the releaser, and uh, the BBs laid down at the bottom of the, the sap tank. It's not lead pellets, it's not lead BBs anymore. No, they look like stainless, mm-hmm. which was nice, but... Yeah. Uh, so you don't have to throw that out, did you? No, we. Uh, this was a couple, a few years ago... I just remember seeing the BBs in there and just trying to think, what the heck broke? Thinking, <laughs> you thought bearings are yeah, right? some bearing in a, yeah. you know, a, the vacuum pump, you know, that's about a ten thousand dollar piece of equipment, and I'm thinking, how the heck did a bearing go and end up going backwards into the tank? And then it took me a couple of days. I don't think it was until I was in the woods leak checking, trying to figure out why my vacuum was so crappy that I found right. the holes. And then I put two and two together and figured out, oh, that's where the BBs came from, and yep. that's why the vacuum isn't working so good. But um, so no hunting up in the woods there. Well, you just have to be a good shot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cool. Hey, Nate, great. Thanks for for joining us today. Appreciate it. Yeah, we'll see you soon. You bet. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the show today and downloading. We really appreciate that. If you could also go to iTunes and just give us a rating and maybe leave a comment that would help others find our site and our podcast. And that's about it. Uh, We're up to show number 23. Again, it's kind of irregular, but I want to find interesting conversations, not just anything. So having said that, we'll catch you next time around. Be on the lookout. We're going to have an interesting interview coming up with another dairy farmer. Bye-bye.